Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Queerness, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter Abby Kadabby has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 37th meeting of Spew to Order. Lavender. Hello, Queerness. How are you this fine evening? I am really good. <laughs> How'd the um, storms and weather treat you guys? Oh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, actually. Um, my fiancé got a week off of work. I had to take a day and a half because we were having some internet issues, but... And Abby, she just got a week off school, and she did really good. She seemed to enjoy... A little rest, and then when she went back to school this past week, she had a great week. <laughs> I think she was finally bored by the end of, you know, Snowmageddon, mm -hmm. and she was ready to go back, and she's just had a great week, so things are really good this week. Good. I had to reschedule a class, but, so, I've been bored. You just, you just been bored in the house? Yeah. Don't you have a class this weekend? I do. I, I, I'm, I'm scheduled for the next two months. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Let's talk about some birthdays. March 1st, we have Ron Weasley's. March 9th is Sybil Trelawney's. March 10th is Remus Lupin's. And March 27th is James Potter's. Yeah, that's, that's my sister's birthday. Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Deaths? We actually don't have any specific dates. We just have a bunch of deaths. Um, Dobby, Grindelwald, and Peter Pettigrew. Wow, a lot happening in March. Yeah, March. This this year is very confusing because it's only March, and, or it's not even March, and I'm, like, trying to schedule things in May and June, and it's like living in two different years at the same time. I know, right? And, okay, so we're currently, when we're recording, we're here at the end of February. But does it feel like February hasn't even really happened? I don't, it feels like Am it's simultaneously March and January at the same time. Yeah, like, what is up with this weird black hole of February 2021? I don't get it. I am confused. Also, why does February only have 28 or 29 days? I don't know. I don't like it, and it, it makes me mad. It's so left out. Why can't it all just be uniform? Well, it can't be because of the sun's not uniform. I, eh. But, like, it could be more uniform. <laughs> There's no reason that some of these <laughs> some of these months don't need 31 days. Yeah, we could just reallocate them to February. All right. What are we talking about this month? What are we talking about this month, Queerness? We are... We watched the Netflix documentary Crip Camp. Yeah, this was this was actually <laughs> your suggestion, and it's not exactly a autism related movie, but it's relevant. Yeah, I still want to know who named it. Well, I actually have some information on that. Okay, not a lot. A little bit about 
the movie, I guess. So it was executive produced by Barack and Michelle Obama under their label Higher Ground Productions. And it was directed, written, and co-produced by Nicole Noonham and James Lebrecht, who was one of the main subjects in the movie. Basically, they wanted a title that would catch your attention to make you interested in it, is why they chose it. James said, in eight letters, you get a sense with the title what it's going to be. The title does a lot of the heavy lifting to immediately frame that this is a look at disability from the inside and it's unlike anything else you may have seen. I think definitely, it does definitely grab your attention, so I'll give them props for that. Which, also, watching this, like, half hour in, I'm going, that guy must be involved in the production, because they're showing a whole awful lot of him, and he really wasn't as that involved in the story. Yeah, and the actual, like, events that unfolded that were the main focus, he really wasn't. <laughs> Uh, so, a little bit about the frame of what's going on in the movie. This is about Camp Jeanette, which was a camp that opened for teens with disabilities uh, from 1951 to 1977. And in the mid-60s, um, they brought in Larry Allison, who became the new head counselor there. And he kind of restructured it and made it a lot more laid-back fun. And that's kind of what led to the events of the film. The camp has actually reopened from 1980 to 2009 at a different location and closed again both times due to financial trouble. Which is sad, but understandable. Kind of reflects the whole, you know, no funding kind of narrative that was throughout. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. Things that caught me most about Camp Jen, and I don't know why, but... It was open for all disabilities. It wasn't like this is just a camp for, you know, kids with cerebral palsy or autism or anything like that. It was because I think back then it was just any disability. They just put it all together into that one, I guess, bucket, that one category. And I don't know. It just really struck me. And then because of that, so you have all of these teenagers in a camp with varying disabilities, some of the... Some of the teenagers would help the other campers with stuff that they may be not physically able to do. Like, you know, they were all just helping each other so naturally with what they could. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just really it just really struck me. I loved it. And then the, the main focus of the movie after it kind of establishes all this is that after several of these teens grow up and leave the camp... They become heavily involved in several protests and advocacy groups for disability rights throughout the 70s and 80s. It was very much its own little, I don't even want to say that little, but it was very much its own civil rights movement. It was, it started, well, kind of the first big one was in 1972 um, in Manhattan where the camp itself was in upstate New York, so Many of the campers Mm -hmm. lived in New York City and became involved with a blockade that took place, shutting down one road and three blocks, completely shut down the city because Nixon had vetoed the Rehabilitation Act that would basically give them access to the subway. (laughs) And basically people didn't think it was worth the money for the few people that would be using it. So... They made a big statement. And then, for whatever reason, they all moved to California to the Center for Independent Living in Berkeley. 
and they just kind of it was weird how in the movie they were just kind of like yeah we all just kind of ended up there <laughs> at different times yeah but this led to the sit-in in the San Francisco Department of Health and Education and Welfare in 1977 which was a sit-in that took place because even though they got Nixon to sign the bill no one was enforcing it and so they were trying to get another law signed that would get it actually enforced and the sit-in of people who could not stay in this place overnight ended up staying there for 23 days Mm -hmm. and it's just crazy because it was mostly unknown because the national news did not cover it up until the last maybe week of it or so so no one had any idea this was actually even happening except for the people in washington who were just kind of ignoring it trying to sweep it under the rug and cut it off and then these the same group of people have kind of continued and it mainly covers this sit-in but then it kind of covers up until the passing of the american disabilities act in 1990 Mm -hmm. and all of that um you know the movie focused a lot on judy judy human Mm -hmm. and i just have to say i have a new hero man she was awesome like from the moment you meet her uh, she had actually, like, attended the camp from age 9 to 18 or something like that. Like, she started there And then young. she was a counselor. She was a counselor at the time that the film was made, which most of the footage that was used in the film was filmed in either 1970 or 1971. I think it was 71. So this was shortly before this group of people then left and all of this started. They just happened to have a film group that was there, courted it, and then the media they were using, which is actually mentioned several times in the footage, it's half-inch tape, which was then completely deprecated, and until they were working on this movie, they really didn't have any way of watching it. So this is the first time all of this footage has been actually released, because it's the first time it's been digitized. Hmm, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There was this one quote in one of the old footage where this girl says my parents are great and sometimes i hate them because they are too great and overprotective Mm -hmm. that's the one that got me it was really eye-opening for me as a parent because obviously like right now abby abby is about to be 11 this year and it feels even weird for me to say that but you know she's definitely growing so much more into her own person and she's expressing it so much differently now than she did a few years ago and this was just i don't know it was just very eye-opening as a parent maybe realize i might be holding her back out of fear and just wanting to protect her in general as a matter of fact i can go ahead and tell you that i do <laughs> i mean i know i do and i can admit that and it just made me realize how important it is to maybe work on that <laughs> and give her a little more freedom and allow her to grow um, just some of my thoughts just watching through it. Like, the first real line of the movie is... I'm not actually even sure who says this. It sounds like documentary archive audio. Mm-hmm. It's just this voice is actually introducing James Lebrecht. And he says, He was born with a disability, and that has nothing to do with his job. Yeah. It was one of those, like, I don't know, super old school documentaries that would come on, like, primetime. It was supposed to be, like, inspirational. It... I, I I I liked it. I thought it was a very nice way to like start off this film and kind of give you an idea of what it was going to be. Which, that is something... Most of these things I don't like watching because they're 
cringy. It makes me uncomfortable. But I really did not get that while watching this one. No, not at all. It was very, I don't know. I, I love that it was from a lot of the actual subject of the film's point of view and that they were included and allowed to say what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, <laughs> I think the Obamas did something right with this one. I think they did good. Just another fun little quote from the beginning. Also from James, he says, There were so many hippies, they looked freaky, and I'm not sure who's a camper and who's a counselor. <laughs> I also wrote down a quote, and it was from a newscast where they said, The army of cripples continue their takeover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one made me happy. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> this was just yeah it was a good film oh and i went i went on to their website cripcamp.com and they have a whole curriculum on the film that that's free that you can use did you see that and i hadn't gone on there i was really impressed they had they had like parent and educator discussion guides power and disability justice guides and then Language, Ableism, and Power Guide. I thought you would like that one. I'll have to check it out. They also have merch. <laughs> That's the most important part. I'll do a little favor there. <laughs> they have merch. <laughs> I also just wrote down Bad Nixon, because Bad Nixon. Yeah, Bad Nixon. That, that's... <laughs> we all know. <laughs> Nixon bad. Oh, I didn't grab any trivia. I forgot. Oh, I, would, I thought you just had it hidden secretly so I wouldn't see it beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> no. I really did. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just forgot to get the trivia. <laughs> it's very difficult and I, I kind of... Actually, no, this time I just completely forgot about it. I just went straight to the news. Let's go straight to the news. Okay. Hi. <laughs> This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. Looks like you have a lot of news. It's actually not a lot. There's only a handful of actual stories, but there's quite a bit of information for those handful of stories. First off in our not news section, Rupert Grint has only seen the first three movies. This is the reason I put this in the not news is because this comes up every time he gives an interview. This is like it's one of those pieces of news on the internet that just kind of goes around every couple years as if it's new information. It's like it, it's not. Also, one article that kind of kept popping up this month was that Emma Watson is retired from acting temporarily. No. She's refusing to respond to magazines reaching out to her, and she hasn't been seen since 2019, like everyone else. <laughs> I was, right. Like, that's, that's, I mean, what was she gonna? What was she gonna do last year? Updates. We got more bad news about Hogwarts Legacy. No. <laughs> so Troy Leavitt, who is the lead designer on the game, has been recently exposed as having a YouTube channel that is mostly anti-feminist propaganda. Gross. Um, his last upload was back in 2018, so he hasn't been, like, working on it during this game, but still it's gross. Still gross. The Mina Lima illustrated edition of Chamber of Secrets is set to release in October of this year. Uh, Fantastic Beasts did have a positive COVID test in February, and so 
they had to shut down production for a couple weeks and are probably starting back up here either this last week or this coming week or so. See, that just supports our theory that February didn't really happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, Catherine Watterson, who plays Tina Goldstein, gave a interview with Collider, basically talking about how she didn't realize how different it is doing a franchise, that the commitment is so much bigger, not just for the film, but also in the promotion and stuff you have to do building up to it it's just much bigger than she expected i can relate (laughs) in our new news empire magazine um had a special edition entitled 20 years of magic celebrating 20 years of both harry potter and lord of the rings (laughs) interview with daniel radcliffe and elijah wood as well as an interview with david Heyman. and on to our autism news which is just a bunch of information about music. Okay. (laughs) Now I see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got two pages on music, which is Sia's film. So, and we're going to start with the beginning of February. It was nominated for two Golden Globes, Best Musical Slash Comedy and Best Actress in a Musical Slash Comedy. Now, most people believe that this is mostly out of the fact that there weren't very many films this last year. Also, it's up against Hamilton for Best Musical Slash Comedy, so it doesn't have a chance. So they had to nominate something (laughs) besides Hamilton. Right? I mean, do they have to? Can you just have one nomination and just, like, call it a day? I don't know. I don't know. As far as Kate Hudson and Best Actress, I mean... I don't know. She could have done a great job in this horrible movie. I don't know. It happens. Something else that happened around this same time, and I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but the general public found out about a specific scene in which prone restraint is shown during a meltdown and is described as crushing her with love. Oh my god. Um, this was something approved by, as it turns out, Autism Speaks was the advocacy group that Sia used as reference while working on this movie. <laughs> Zoe Gross, of, who is the director of advocacy at the Autism Self-Advocacy Network, she talked with Huffington Post and said, Music doesn't just promote harmful stereotypes about autistic people. It shows restraints that have killed members of our community as necessary and loving acts. This film should never have been made and it should not be shown. So, with all of that, (coughs) Sia posted this very long thread, which this is a major change of voice from last month when she was just yelling at people for even questioning her judging her movie before seeing it but this time she says i promise i have been listening the motion picture music will moving forward have this warning at the head of the movie music in no way condones or recommends the use of restraint on autistic people there are occupational therapists who specialize in sensory processing who can be consulted to explain safe ways to provide proprioceptive deep pressure feedback to help with meltdown safety. I plan to remove the restraint scene in all future printings. I listened to the wrong people, and that is my responsibility. My research was clearly not thorough enough, not wide enough. I'm sorry. 
She then deleted her Twitter account. Oh, wow. So. But I mean, people were telling her that before. People were. I. People were telling her not to listen to Autism Speaks. Well, the problem was they weren't until it was kind of too late because she didn't apparently did not know that Autism Speaks was problematic until after the film was finished. So, mm. which she acknowledges in this. I think the way she handled this whole thing in general was not great, but is a something. <laughs> <laughs> But then it just got worse. That, plus, um, now that people have actually seen the movie, it's apparently just awful from a movie standpoint. I mean, I didn't necessarily expect it to be really good. <laughs> I mean, did you? Kind of. I was really hoping that it was just kind of blown out of proportion. And then um, Kate Hudson, who stars in the movie, was on an interview with Jimmy Kimmel. And because when I first read this... I was like, wow, this is awful. But then I actually like watched the clip and I'm going, no, I think she's, and a lot of people are giving her a hard time with like, she should have known better. She should have done her own research. I'm like, no, not really. She's an actor. She was probably assuming everyone else did good research, which didn't. But I, I think, because what's interesting is Jimmy Kimmel, the first like five minutes of this interview they're not talking about the movie at all, which is just kind of uncomfortable because they are having fun and completely ignoring it. Okay. Then when they when Jimmy kind of brings it up, he kind of brings it up almost like he had to bring it up. She gives a one sentence response. She says, I think when people see the film, they will see the amount of love and sensitivity that was put into it, which that people are like. No, no. Why did you say that? That's, nope. No, that didn't. No, nope. didn't work. Nope. But she goes on to say that. It, it is an important conversation to have. And it's, you know, not not just about this movie, but as a whole, you know, about representation. And, if you know, for me, when I when I hear that there's anybody that feels left out, I feel terrible. And right. Right. And then he basically just like cuts her off and tries to change the subject. Like, okay, we did that. We're moving on. We're going to talk about something else. And she's like, no, I, I, I want to talk about this. And so then she goes on. The spectrum is so wide and, and, and should be, you know, very, very like a, a, approached really with, you know, a far more conversation, understanding like how can we be more representative? What are the best ways to do that? You know, and, and, and it, it does bring to light, you know, something that, you know, is, is, has been going on for a long time. And what does that look like? And, and, and being, you know, look, I always say, you know, storytellers, that's what we do. We're, we're storytellers. We want to tell the best stories we can. We don't want to, there's no part of anybody who wants to upset anybody. We just, we really want to tell the best stories. And when there is and are people who feel upset about anything? It's it's our job to I think listen and 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 encourage more conversation with other people who want to tell these stories because they're important stories to be told. And I okay, I think people are being unfair <laughs> to her. I I don't think she 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 was genuinely trying to say we screwed up. I want to listen so that this doesn't happen yeah. again but at the same time people are just like but why are you even promoting the film and the thing is 
she was probably scheduled well, to that's her job right she was scheduled to promote this film by a producer somewhere whose job it was to promote the film like it's the way it works yeah that was probably written in her contract right it's probably the same reason jimmy kimmel kind of tried to ignore it while also kind of bringing it up bringing it up um but it wasn't great but it was you know better than not talking about it yeah and at least she tried to it seems like take some kind of ownership and be like okay i'm listening i mean yeah she handled it better than sia (laughs) (laughs) yes i would agree on that so it looks like we have another short one today, but it's okay. If you want to join our conversation, uh, in the next episode on the 15th, we're going to be reading the final third of Half-Blood Prince, as if it was a metaphor for autism. So if you'd like to join our conversation, you can send us owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com, or you can click the link in the description if you would like to send us a howler. You can also send a recording directly to that email or you can give us a call in the u.s at 407-706-SPEW that's 407-706-7739 you can also follow us on twitter our handle is at spectrum people we're also on facebook.com slash spewcast we are on the gram at spewpod and on tiktok at spewcast so follow us and as always we want to thank joan burr for our theme music until next time I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Love Good says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye.